Amen. Our text this morning is in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 verses, and we'll start reading with verse 14 this morning. You know, before we read, I was thinking about these cards in church and how that would have been a real taboo thing and might still be, so take it easy on me. Uh, but um, it reminded me of, of a story about my grandfather. He, um, um, he and Grandma had seven children, and Mama was the middle child, and she said when she was little, she was walking along the road, and there was a playing card there on the road. And she reached to pick it up, and her mother jerked her up by the neck and said, Don't you touch that thing. And, uh, which was probably not uncommon. But in that family's sake, it really was meaningful. It was during the Depression. Uh, my papa uh, had uh, uh, got to where he was playing cards and gambling and playing pool and gambling. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, when you're gambling, you're losing. And the family income was being lost because of this gambling. This is before he met the Lord. And when he met the Lord, he laid that down. That was part of his laying down on the altar. Part of his repentance, among all other things. There were other things. And his life changed, and, and now the family at least had some income. And you know, it reminds you of what God can do. I don't know what kind of hold it all had on him. I think it did have a hold on him. But uh, God can do some great things. And so it was in the chapter 8 of Matthew here, when we pick this up, that Jesus has been doing some healing in people's lives. And it speaks about, you know, the, the man with leprosy, and gosh, what an incredible healing that was. You know, a leper was considered the living dead. And to be healed of leprosy was like the ultimate healing. And then the, the faith of the centurion when his, his servant uh, was paralyzed in great suffering, and how Jesus healed him based on the faith of this Roman soldier. And then it says in verse 14, Jesus came to Peter's house, and there was Peter's mother-in-law in bed with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. And when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove the spirits with the word, drove out the spirits with the word, and healed all the sick. And this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had spoken. He took our infirmities and carried our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side of the lake. Jesus was so pressed upon by people's needs. You know, think about God. How many people call on God all the time, every day? Pressing on Jesus. And so he went to the other side of the lake, the Galilean Sea there. 
Then it says, a teacher of the law came to him and said, and said to Jesus, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And so that's the reading from the book of Matthew chapter 8. If you want to follow along there, we'll be, we'll be there. I think I'm on now, I guess. When you see this story about this teacher of the law and then this other disciple coming to Jesus, it seems really out of place. It doesn't seem like it should belong in this particular scripture. This is one of those hallelujah pass, uh, chapters. There's healing taking place. The focus is on healing. And people are following Jesus all over. So at first sight, why, why is this story put in here? Sometimes the gospel writers will stick different events of Jesus' life in different places. And here, here it is. And he's just quoted Isaiah talking about uh, Jesus as the healer. And it might be thought of that Jesus is, this is put in here so that the point will be made that you cannot just follow Jesus for miracles or whatever good he's done in your life. But that's not enough following. It's not enough just to give our heart to Jesus. That Jesus is looking for more. I think that is a message here. It may be that Matthew saw a miracle here that we might not see. Another miracle. The miracle of this scribe, this teacher of the law coming to Jesus and calling Jesus master or teacher. For that to take place was just an amazing, amazing turnaround, conversion. Because basically what Jesus was doing ran totally contrary to the way things had been done by the religious leaders. And this teacher here would have been himself definitely, definitely on the the opposite side of what Jesus was about. He was freeing men from the letter of the law, not teaching them the, the intricacies that had developed among the teachers of the law. So here comes this, this leader. And that's a pretty big miracle. Uh, and so Jesus tells this man, he says, uh, you know, uh, as we think about what he says, he said, the foxes have their lairs, their holes, and the birds of the sky have their place to rest in the nest. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, what is he telling this man? He said, you're going to follow me? You've got to count the cost to follow me. There's a cost to following Jesus. If you follow Jesus very long, you've undergone some cost. You've undergone the, the difficult hours. So he says, follow me. Have you noticed that things cost? 
Have you noticed that, Dorinda? Things do cost. Uh, life is getting more and more expensive, isn't it? Things cost. It costs to go to school. It costs having children. It can cost you to work sometimes. It can cost you to play and your pleasures. You know, it's always been a cost. Even from the very beginning. Think about Adam there in the Garden of Eden. Maybe you've heard the story that before Eve was created, this is not in the Bible, by the way, this is a story. God said to Adam, you need a helper, don't you? And Adam says, I sure do. And God said, well, what if I make a woman? She'll be perfect for you. She'll be beautiful. She'll rub your back at night. And your feet in the morning. She'll plop grapes into your mouth. She'll prepare all your favorite meals without fail. She'll clean up the kitchen and take care of the kids. You'll never have to do a thing. Just sit around and be the king of your household. Adam said, boy, that sounds great. How much is this going to cost? And God said, well, it's pretty expensive. It'll cost you an arm and a leg. Adam thought for a minute, and then he said, well, how much can I get for a rib? <laughs> There's a cost to everything, isn't there? Jesus didn't want people to follow him just because they were swept away by emotion. I mean, when things were good for Jesus and the land of Israel, they were real good. People were coming from everywhere. He could have amassed an army easily. As a matter of fact, many thought he was amassing an army. And they expected Jesus to kick the Romans out. I mean, the people were really following Jesus. But Jesus knew that just emotion alone will blaze up. And then they will subside. Don't you find that to be true in your life? Emotionally? We can get pretty, pretty excited preparing a big feast for the folks to come and then the lights go out. And then it rains. He wanted, he wanted people to really know what they were getting into when they followed Him. And Jesus does this often in His ministry. It's like Jesus is really party pooper in lots of ways with people that would follow him when things were just getting going good these disciples I'm sure were like going crazy he said in verse 10 chapter 10 of Matthew verse 38 he said anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me he said one time he talked about uh, he doesn't he who loves his mother and Brother and sisters, more than me, not, can't follow me. He actually said he, he put it in a stronger way than that. <clears throat> he told one man, he said, give away everything you got to the poor and follow me. 
Jesus knows where our treasures are. He knows where it's going to be difficult for us to be obedient. He was always saying to men, I know where your heart is running out on me. I know where it is. And do you love me more than that? So nobody knows the future and the cost can be considerable. It wasn't so long ago in another country that some miners were trapped and six miners were trapped. And their fellow miners were determined to get them out. And in the process, not only the lives of those six miners, but three more miners were killed trying to get them out. There's a cost. There's a cost of being a soldier. Soldiers and their families are weighing cost. So, in any sphere of life, there are facts that you've got to be ready for. You've got to be ready to work. If you're trying to get a scholarship in school, you better, you've got to work for it. It takes a lot of time and effort. If an explorer was building up a team back in those days, he would be inundated with all kind of people who wanted to offer their services and be a part of it, but he knew he had to weed out those who were just in it for the romantic reason of exploring. And he had to find people who were really going to stick with him through the, through the snow and ice or swamps or heat or exhaustion or whatever was ahead. If an athlete is very serious about becoming an athlete, the trainer says, you know, that's good, but you are to be prepared. You've got to prepare yourself. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to have self-discipline. You've got to work at it to be able to accomplish what it is that you're setting out to do. Enthusiasm alone is not going to get it done. Nobody could ever say that they followed Jesus on false pretenses. He spelled it out. If you're going to follow me, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. You're signing on. You're signing on to be a soldier of Christ. And we are challenged today to make tough decisions. All of us are. Teenagers are. You know you are. All adults to make tough decisions in our life. In a way, there's no thrill like the way of Jesus, but, but there's also probably nothing more difficult than to keep following Jesus through your life. There's another man came to Jesus. Read that in this passage as well. He wanted to follow Jesus. And he said he would follow Jesus if he was allowed first to go and bury his father. And Jesus' answer was, follow me, leave the dead to bury their dead. Now, at first sight, that's like, what? His father's dead and you won't even wait to let us bury him? But that's not really what, that's not the point he was making. It was a Jewish responsibility to, you know, to give your loved ones a proper burial. And that's not what Jesus was talking about. There has to be a different explanation And I think the explanation is that Jesus was saying that uh, he was saying that 
to this man, you know your father is very much alive. And you're going to wait till he's dead to follow me and become a Christian. Well, that's, that makes more sense, doesn't it? This man was going to procrastinate. He was going to put off and wait. What happens when we procrastinate generally? Well, next time rolls around and we've got an opportunity, we procrastinate again, won't we? How many of you are good procrastinators? I am. Yeah. Uh, Procrastination is the easiest thing in the world to do. And this man was about to set himself up to just wait and wait and wait. He had no real plan. But he was excited about Jesus. And Jesus knew if he didn't seize that moment then for him, that moment was going to pass. How many people have been to the place where they're ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior? They feel the Holy Spirit's tug. You know what that is. When God's ready and you're ready, He speaks to our heart. And there is the wooing of Jesus. The Holy Spirit draws us. And we're answering a call. We're answering the Holy Spirit. And if we pass that time, we let that time pass. Why, that may, it may or may not occur again, but if it happens again, it gets more difficult to say yes. That's why when we get older in life, if we've not accepted Christ, it's more difficult. Somewhere we've got to finally say yes and accept Christ as our Savior and follow Him, truly. So he says, you need to get going now or you're never going to get going. That's what he's telling this guy. So you can hear him asking a question, are you really sure you want to do this? And I'm appreciating what William is doing right now in leading our Youth, and also in helping to lead out our congregation in Bible study. And there's more to come. I'm not kicking you up ahead of yourself, am I? But, you know, he's, he's, he's really helping us work at discipleship. Because it's that important. It's vital. It's as vital as evangelism. That we grow in Christ. We become more obedient to Christ. That we have the... Have the ammunition in our heart with the Word of God to be able to keep working for the Lord. It's important. Things don't just happen instantly. You say, well, I got saved. I thought things would just happen instantly. You know, there was a, there was a comedian who was a Russian comedian, and he came to the United States from Russia, and he said he wasn't prepared for the variety of instant products that he saw in the grocery stores. The things on the shelves were amazing. He said, on my first shopping trip, I saw powdered milk. Just add water and you get milk. Then I saw powdered orange juice. You just add water and you get orange juice. And then I saw baby powder. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what a country. We know just adding water is not going to get her done. 
If you don't get that, just talk to mom and daddy. It's all good. <laughs> but Jesus called his disciples to sacrifice. It wasn't just going to be an instant. It wasn't going to be just without any responsiveness on our part. But you know, there are benefits. Now, Jesus didn't promise us an easy way. What's that old country song? I beg your pardon, I did not promise you a rose garden. Every one of us sorry men can sing a song like that, you know. But Jesus meant it. But there are benefits to following Jesus. Real benefits. What are some of those benefits of being a disciple? Why bother being a disciple? Well, Jesus makes promises to those who will follow Him as disciples. The first one is this. The one benefit of being a disciple is a full and abundant life. Look at the words in John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, we we can talk to or we may be the very person who can have everything in the world. Our work has been good, successful. We can manage to pay for about whatever we want to. We can find whatever it is in life that we think will please us. But at the end of the day, this same person might say, what is is this all about? What am I doing? What's the purpose? What purpose in life do I have? Christ gives us a purpose. He knows us. He knows what we were made for. He knows how to bring out in our life a way that our life can be meaningful and purposeful and serve humanity, serve others. He knows. And He can bring that out. So so, uh, it's not a matter of just listening to Jesus. It's a matter of following Jesus. And there's the benefit of abundant life. There'll be a cost. But the benefit is a meaningful life. A second benefit is you gain spiritual insight and knowledge. When you serve Him, when you follow Him through the thick and the thin, then you begin to develop some spiritual insight. Some of you have been down this road a long time. And you have gained some insight. You have learned. It's spoken to your heart. You've gotten some wisdom out of it. Jesus said in John 8, 12, He said, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When He opens up the Word of God to us and He shines on our path, shows us something. In our, in our Bible school, we had the Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible, God's Holy Word, Kids, help me with this. I will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. He puts a light on our path. He said in John 12, 26, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So you walk with Christ and the day will come 
the day of finally of judgment, and, it, and there will be a place of honor. There will be a place of honor. We've come to the place at the end of the road. We stand before the Lord. And if we've been following Him as Savior and Lord, to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, some of us don't take compliments very well. Somebody try to compliment us and we well, I'm not so much. You know. But at the end of the day, when we come to that day and we stand before the Lord, we're going to want to hear God's acceptance, aren't we? Well done, good and faithful servant. We certainly don't want to hear Him say to us, you know, I really don't know you. I just don't know you. And so there is the benefit of the heavenly honor, you might say. Not an honor that we necessarily seek, but it's an honor that God would give at the end of the road. You know, when I started out in my Christian life, I I had no idea where I was going. I didn't know anything. I committed my life to Christ as a disciple, really, when I was 18. I kind of renewed my relationship with Christ to follow Him, whatever that meant. And somewhere in all that, God's call. I don't think that's unique to just preachers. I think we all have a sense of God's call. When I accepted that call to preach, I, didn't even, I had not even ever heard of seminary. I mean, I was down in the backwoods somewhere. I'd been in church all my life. I didn't even know there was such a thing. When I went on through college, I didn't really even think about going to seminary. It's three more years. You don't know where you're going necessarily. You just keep following Jesus He'll put that little light in front of you, that light in front of your path, as you keep following Jesus. So you want a challenge in life? I think that's what Jesus was doing. He was challenging people. You want a real adventure? You really want to do something that's meaningful and has purpose in it? You really want, you want something that's uh, going to give you some experience and some knowledge that's going to be blessing to you all the way through life, you want this. Are you, going to, are you going to work for it? Are you going to go for it? That's the kind of people Jesus is calling to follow Him. And discipleship is not a choice. It's not just, I mean, it's not, a, it's not just some option we have. It's not just a matter of a lottery. Some of us are Some of us get picked and some of us don't. That's not the way it works. It is our choice. We follow Him of our own will, own free will. He don't break us down. He don't pull us. He don't don't put a chokehold on us. Although He does might put a tie on us sometimes. But that's the Lord's call to us, wherever we are, just where we are right now. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And as Jesus put forth the word, Lord, to those in his day, through your word, it is put to our hearts too. And God, uh, right where we are right now, nothing to do with what's gone on in the past. It's funny that the disciples, all the way through the scriptures, 
They would have time after time after time of being with Jesus. And he would renew the challenge. And for them, every time was a time of decision. Not just the day they started with him. And not just the successes of time past that they've stood with him. And not because of their failures are they dismissed. But every time, ever so often, the call would come to our come to their hearts as you come to our hearts and say, How about it today? Are you really committed to Christ? Will you recommit your life to Christ? Are you ready to follow Him on and on and on with your other fellow believers? Thank you, Lord, for your love for us today. And we trust you that, God, when we put our lot in with you, that you are leading us in the right way. We're humbled by it, undeserved, not worthy. But God, mighty grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, hymn number 271. I like this hymn, The Savior is Waiting. He's waiting. He's always waiting. How about you answer today? Let's stand together as we sing.
Let's go.